Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Fides is Latin for faith and truth, and that's what we do on this show is talk about truth and talk about faith. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the great song that you're hearing in the background was my friend Frank Camp. You could find him on Spotify. Great song. This song is called Heaven Can Wait. But thanks for being here, and let's get right to it. Okay, welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, I'm excited and privileged to have with me today Christina Bennett. She is a freelance writer at Live Action News. Uh, She's written for The Federalist, and she is a pro-life activist and speaker. Christina, thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. And I I just want to tell your listening audience that I am holding my uh, (laughs) 11-month-old old uh, baby boy that my husband and I actually just uh, finalized his adoption just um, this January. So if you hear like strange noises, it's not coming from me. (laughs) My (laughs) husband says that sometimes he sounds like a Star Wars character making grunts and all sorts of different sounds. So just in case, I want you to know that. Oh, that's not a problem. Yep, that's not a problem. And, and, and that's why Christina is off camera for those watching on video. Um, she's off camera just because she may have to get up and get around. But uh, I did get a glimpse at uh, her, uh, her little boy. He's very, very sweet, very cute. So um, yes. not a problem at all. We don't mind noise like that. It's, uh, it's actually fairly common. So um, so do me a favor. Let, let's start off, if you could, and and tell you know I I did you know I I know about you, um, but obviously many of my listeners might not. Tell me uh, tell me your story. You have a really great story, and it's it's on your website. Um, but which tell us your really inspiring story. Sure, absolutely. So I am living in Connecticut now, and this is actually where I grew up and went uh, elementary school and everything, high school. When I got to college, I was going to school for communications. I'm not exactly sure what I was going to do with that degree, but I just thought, you know, we'll just maybe go into journalism or something like that. And I did not have a strong opinion on abortion. Coming from Connecticut, which is a very pro-abortion state, mm-hmm. we're not even required teenagers to tell our parents if we wanted to get an abortion. So I remember girls in my high school getting abortions and one of them, her mom only found out because she was cleaning her room and found the paperwork. So it just wasn't something that um, I'd ever heard talked about in a church setting, although I grew up in church and it wasn't something that was ever talked about in my family. But my life completely changed when I was going to a church and someone actually approached me and said, God wants you to know, I feel like God wants you to know something remarkable happened around the time of your birth. And I I thought, okay, well, you know, who could I ask about that? Mm -hmm. Only really my mom or my dad. So I asked my mom and as strange as it may sound, this is the gospel truth. uh, She said to me, that she'd met an angel before I was born and that she did not want to talk about it, which was so unlike my mom. She's never said anything like that before that or after that. Mm -hmm. So, but she was very serious when she she didn't want to talk about it. So I left it alone and I was part of a campus uh, ministry where we did inner city uh, ministry uh, for the summer 
like working with the Boys and Girls Clubs in different parts of the country. And so I went away um, to Kentucky and I actually spent a summer working with the Boys and Girls Clubs. And um, it was just this wonderful ministry trip, but I did a lot of journaling and I wrote in my journal that when I got back home to Connecticut, I was going to really find out from my mom what that meant. And so I did, I got back home and I asked her and she said, I can't tell you, like you would hate me. And I said, you know, I would never hate you. And I continued to just ask her if she could tell me what that story meant um, or what that phrase meant. And she, she then opened up to tell me that she had scheduled to abort me and she encountered um, a woman that was a janitor to her was like an angel I mean whether or not she was an actual angel or just a person in you know time of need but she my mother had paid for an abortion and she met with the hospital counselor and she got no counsel she was just told well you know you've already paid for this this seems like the best decision for you and she was in the robe, the white hospital robe, and she was told to go into the waiting room, wait for the doctor. And she just paused for a moment in the hallway. And when she paused in the hallway, that's when this elderly African-American janitor um, and uh, just woman, African-American woman janitor approached her and looked her in the eyes and said, do you wanna have this baby? And my mom says that her eyes were like pools of water. And my mother said, yes. And the woman said, God will give you the strength to have this baby. So it didn't end there. She had to then get up and go get her stuff. But when she did, the doctor called her name. Her name was Andrea. He called, and this is actually, uh, if anyone's curious, this is Mount Sinai Hospital um, in 1981. Now, what's interesting is that Mount Sinai ended up merging years later with St. Francis Hospital in Hartford, Connecticut which is the first ever Jewish Catholic merger of hospitals. I think in America, mm -hmm. I think that's the history on it. So when they merged, um, they stopped doing abortions, but this was 1981. So this is prior to that merger and they were doing abortions. Okay. And so and anyway, when she walked into the doc, the doctor called her name and she walked into his office, he hadn't cleaned up the blood from the last abortion. So she's very disgusted. She saw blood on the floor and she said, I'm leaving. And he just reminded her that, you know, she paid for the procedure and he said, you know, you're just nervous. You can get through with this. And she said, no, I've changed my mind. I want to keep my baby. And he really, I think he tried to appeal to her on a false compassionate way of just saying, you know, you're just nervous. He tried to compare, uh, um, rationally you know um on that level helping her to making her think like okay i've already paid for this and then he just got tired of that and was like forget it and he yelled at her and said don't leave this room and that's when she really knew that you know her boundaries were being crossed mm -hmm. and that she wasn't going to be able to use her voice in the way that she wanted to that it wasn't being heard or respected and so she just ran out of the room and took that moment and just kept it as a secret for over 20 years. And oh. she didn't tell me, she had no plans to tell me, um, but she told me that day and we were in the bathroom at, at a house that we used to live in. And then she left the house because I think she just was very emotional about telling me that. 
And I was very emotional about hearing it. And then the question became now, that's a pretty crazy story. I was scheduled to die. There was an appointment for me to die. And I came within minutes of that happening. And I survived or escaped that situation. And I, I understand that there was a room full of other women with children in their womb that did not. Mm-hmm. And then I had to begin to ask myself and wonder, do I have any responsibility to that story? And that's yeah. kind of what wow. uh, caused me to start thinking about my life in a different way. Wow. That's a, that's a crazy, I mean, the more people I have on my podcast, I, every, every time I think, wow, that tops the last one, then there's another one that has a great story like that. Um, Just, just some questions that you may not even have an answer to. So the person that, that came up to you in church and said, um, I forget what were the words that you used that the person in church said, your life is special. The person who said, um, no, they said, um, God wants you to know that something like remarkable happened okay. around the time of your birth. Okay. Do you know who that person was and, and why no. they said that? No, not at all. And that's the funny thing about it is that, you know, I don't know if I'm low on vitamin D or something, but <laughs> I mean, I probably am. It's winter in Connecticut. So we're always low on vitamin D, but I don't have the best memory. I also, you know, my parents were divorced growing up. And so, um, I moved around a lot. Um, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade. I was in a different school. So a lot of my childhood, I don't, and even into high school and stuff, I don't have the best memory. But that, it's funny how certain things are just stuck, like in my mind, um, not the person's name or even face, but those mm-hmm. words yeah. and how I took those words and how it caused me to question my mom. That's something I'll never forget. And I do have yeah. like some journal entries. I don't have a journal entry with the person's name, but when I was in Kentucky, I do have a journal entry that I found uh, just recently, actually, where I wrote in my journal, um, you know, I feel like there's a destiny for my life. I don't mm-hmm. know what it is. My mom, you know, I, this woman told me something about an angel. My mom doesn't want to talk to me about it. Like, I need to find out what this means. And so it's cool that I have that to look back at and remember, you know, my life before it, you mm-hmm. know, it is the way that it is now. Yeah. Wow. And just, again, you may, may be the same situation is especially with today's technology. Have you and, or your mom ever looked to find out who that janitor possibly was, you know, I mean, I know it was a no, long time ago, but no. I would be, I would be, that would be something I would be dying to know. And then, you know, curious yeah. is, did they even so exist? My mom sense, actually, you know? Yeah. So my mom actually, actually thinks that it was an angel like because she said that um her eyes were like pools of water that's what my mom thinks that and then the other reason she thinks it was an angel is because according to her um and again my mom is like not she's never said this at any other time in her life like which is not like it shouldn't be so weird like if you're a person of faith it shouldn't be weird like we that it's all throughout the bible that people had encounters like that but you know in our society like we're just not as believing of those things. Like I spent three months in Africa in Mozambique mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, either the witch doctor is going to heal you or Jesus, like, yeah. um, like the super, they just have a more of a supernatural reality to things um, because they can't depend as much on, at least in certain places. Like when we were out in the bush, bush, as they called it, mm-hmm. like um, just out there, you know, there's not like 
um, as much dependency on like things that we depend on here, like uh, grocery stores, modern medicine and things. They have like a higher faith. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, she said that she looked down um, after this woman had said that to her about, you know, God will give you the strength. And then she, the woman began to walk away and then she looked up and she says it was probably about 30 seconds. And she said that with her equipment and just everything, like she should have been midway through the hallway, but she was gone. Mm -hmm. And that was weird for her. And then she said when she was running out, like a process of leaving, like she didn't see her anywhere. So Mm -hmm. that's what she says. Um, You know, I don't know, but I do like um, the closest kind of connection I have to that time period um, in her life and not knowing a person, not knowing the doctor, not knowing like only the hospital, which we've been back to together. My mom and I have gone back to the hospital together like on my birthday one year. But um, I tell my story a lot. And then one one time I told my story at church and this woman approached me and told me something that I just thought, wow, um, it just, it, it connected with me because I felt like her prayers were helped and like my life being saved. She said that she was a married to a white woman, she was married and having like a wanted child. And, um, although I think every child's wanted by someone, but you know, those were her words and yeah. wanted pregnancy. And the doctor at Mount Sinai like pressured her to get an abortion, even though she like had no desire to get an abortion. And she was just saying how I guess they did a lot of abortions like in the eighties. And so um, they still do now, but like she was pressured. So she was so offended by the fact that he would do that to her, that she said she actually went back to her church and told them, you know, I felt pressure from this doctor to get an abortion. And they like, according to her prayer walked the hospital um, around the time that I was like in my mother's womb. Um, So she had a son that was born around the same time as me. And so I just thought that was so amazing when she told me that uh, because I had shared the dates in the hospital. And so I thought, wow, like the time that I was in my mother's womb, people were prayer walking the hospital specifically because they felt there was a doctor that was pressuring women to have abortions. And that could have been the prayers that saved my life. I mean, I just, my life, I don't know. But um, so that's kind of like the closest connection I have um, to somebody praying for something that that brought brought forth like a supernatural miracle yeah wow that that, that's a that is again it just a that is a cool story and yeah yeah. you know i just got that story like two years ago yeah wow and and my mom's story that she told me that was like 15 years ago so i'm almost 40 i'm 40 in october and that was um college that i yeah that you found out yes wow longer more than 15 yeah more yeah wow that's okay you're younger than me still um yeah i mean it's really a great story and i I mean it sounds you know based upon all that you're doing it sounds like you're you're taking you're realizing what helped your mom what helped you and taking that help to other people that may be in your same situation right yes i am trying Dying. Um, you know, yesterday I was on a Zoom call for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> um, tell me about that. Yes. So in Connecticut, they are they meaning the you know elected official or elected officials, the legislators are trying to pass 
a bill. Um, this year it's called SB 835. Um, it's been called HB 7070. It's been called a number of things. This is the fourth year of us going into a public hearing for this same bill. Um, the title is an act concerning deceptive practices at limited services pregnancy centers. So basically what happened is pregnancy centers, um, if your audience isn't familiar with them, they exist to offer abortion alternatives. So my mom, as I shared, she didn't have anyone to talk to. She was being pressured by my dad. Um, she did go to a church. She actually went to her church. I didn't share this part of the story, but her mentor was offended that she was pregnant out of wedlock and said to her, if you come back to this church, I'll be the first person to put my foot in the door, not let you in. Mm. So she was rejected by my dad, rejected by her mentor, and she didn't have anyone. But you know, the pregnancy centers offer compassionate, non-judgmental care, and not only a listening ear, free ultrasounds, diapers, material resources, support. They've existed in Connecticut for 30 years, really without much of an issue, you know, uh, Planned Parenthood exists, they exist, um, and that's just the way it is. But then pro-abortion um, activist groups, uh, NARAL Pro-Choice Connecticut is one of them. Actually, that's the main one, NARAL mm -hmm. Pro-Choice Connecticut. They started petitioning um, legislators. They started petitioning them and saying, pregnancy centers are hurting women, pregnancy centers are... Um, I'm sure you can hear the baby now. Yep. <laughs> they're yep. lying to women. They are manipulating them. They are, you know, they have fake doctors. They have fake nurses. Um, and they got a number of the more progressive Democrats uh, on the Senate and House in Connecticut to believe them without ever visiting the centers, without ever talking to the staff. They got them to believe them. And so they've been pushing this bill. Um, the insane thing about this bill is that in four years of uh, client uh, testimonies and um, hearings and public hearings, meetings, they've not been able to produce one single client from a pregnancy center who can say to the public hearing, uh, to the public health committee, to anyone, I've been deceived by a pregnancy center. Mm -hmm. It's all anonymous testimonies that, that are, a lot of them are spies from the report that they did where they sent in people into the pregnancy centers. And every single year, I think, okay, this has got to be the year they're going to bring somebody because, right. you know, the pregnancy center clients come and they talk about, oh, we love the center. They help us. They give us hope. And I'm thinking like, I'd be embarrassed to like, to not bring somebody, but every year they don't. Um, and they bring people, you know, speaking on the behalf of other people. And they always say the same thing. Our clients are too scared. They've been too traumatized by pregnancy centers to come forward, but you know, but, but these are their stories. And yeah. unfortunately, you know, because they have friends in high places in the local government, that's been enough for them. Right. Um, you know, not a single story, not a single legitimate complaint, but lots of, you know, positive stories on the other side, but they've still been able to push this bill forward. Um, it got shut down last year because of the pandemic. And now we are, you know, we're still in this pandemic and you would think, okay, we're doing this through Zoom. Like right. we're not, the Capitol building is closed down. We're doing this through Zoom. Like, aren't we supposed to be focusing on the most essential things when you are, you know, limited in time, um, but they're not. They are, they are pushing to uh, control all of the advertising of pregnancy centers and find them financially. If they say something the state doesn't like. 
Yeah. That's where we're at. And it's yeah. really scary. Well, it, it's scary. And it's in, as I always say, it's a fight and it's a big fight. And the other side does not fight fair um, oh, by, no. by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so no. the, the fight continues. So I, I want to um, just sort of end with, um, with to tell the audience where they can find you. You have a really great website, actually. Um, it's ChristinaBennett.com. And that's yeah. Bennett, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, ChristinaBennett.com. Uh, she's also on, uh, on Facebook. Um, and I'm going to read the last and two paragraphs. Instagram, parag- too. And Insta- <laughs> yes, and Instagram, yeah, too. Black yes. Pro-Life Woman on Instagram. Instagram is actually my favorite account just because, okay. of, I don't know, it's friendlier, I think, than uh, yes. Twitter and Facebook. So I love, um, actually, today, uh, I will post my testimony from yesterday. Okay. I've had to go back and forth with actually the, the former executive director of NARAL, who is now, uh, NARAL Pro-Choice Connecticut, who's now a legislator pushing this bill. So we have um, a little interesting interaction where she says that, no, we validate the work of pregnancy centers. And I challenge her a bit on that. So it's very interesting. So I'm going to post that uh, a little bit later today. And then we'll post it on the Family Institute of Connecticut uh, website and Facebook as well, where I work for Okay, excellent. So, um, so I'm just going to, again, you, you can get all the great information again from Instagram. Um, and it was black pro-life woman on yeah, Instagram, yeah, right? That's it. Okay. That's <laughs> that, that describes you. Yeah. <laughs> or, yeah. I just make it simple, you know, <laughs> um, or Christina Bennett, uh, com is the website. Again, a really great website or Facebook. So the last two paragraphs of your, your little about me, and I think it's really great to end is you, you have for the past four years, I worked as the client services manager for a Connecticut pregnancy resource center. I currently write for live action news, live action. We're big fans of them. Um, oh, great. um Lila Rose's group and I've had yeah. Al- Allison, uh, oh. Okay. Yeah. I work with Allison. I love them. They're my friends. Yep. Uh, Allison has been on the show. Um, And you work as communications director for Family Institute of Connecticut and you're a licensed Christian minister. Yeah. Yeah. So I got a lot going on. Um, Yeah. All good things. Yeah. All good things. So the, so the last I'm going to end with this is you have a quote from um, Dr. Martin Luther King and I've had the pleasure of having his niece, Alveda King, on my show too. Um, and it says, our lives begin to die the day we become silent about things that matter. And you write, I'm alive today because a stranger refused to be silent. I write these words in hopes that you will do the same. So that's really awesome. Um, awesome place to, to end our conversation. Um, Christina, this was fun. Uh, I feel like yeah. I can talk to you for hours and something <laughs> tells me that you can talk for hours. Oh, uh, yes. I don't know. <laughs> I got most talkative in high school and in fifth grade. So. Yes. Yes. So, and I love it. It's great. So, um, always, you're always welcome back on. I'd, I'd actually love to have you on. I'm sure, um, there'll be yeah. reasons. Uh, this was- I got to plan it. I have to be better at trying to figure out how to plan things when the baby takes a nap. Yeah, he that's all right. That. He, he, he was he was fun. And, and again, for those um, we, we purposely didn't want him on camera, um, but very sweet, very handsome young man. Uh, we don't mind his uh, the noise there at all. So Christina Bennett, um, thank you so much for being here. Uh, please check her out. You're going to want to connect with her on Instagram and Facebook and check out her website, ChristinaBennett.com. Um, I think we're going to be hearing think we're going to hear you hear from you again out there 
uh, not just awesome. Yeah, I'd love to let you guys know, you know, later on, maybe what happens with the bill or yes, uh, Hyde Amendment. You know, we could, yes. we could talk about that too sometime. I was able to testify before Congress through one of these online things during the yep. pandemic, and um, we're not sure what that's what's going to happen with the Hyde Amendment, but that could be in our next conversation. Too. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, keep up the good fight, Christina. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, appreciate you. And thanks all of you for listening uh, to this episode of Fee Days podcast with Christina Bennett. Thanks Thank again. So and much. we'll talk to you soon. Yeah.